Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we get started, I want to encourage you, uh, if you like comedy novels and you can appreciate classic superhero fiction, then I would uh, suggest you pick up a copy of Powerhouse's Heroic Adventures Bundle. It contains my first three superhero comedy uh, novels, available as either an ebook or as an audiobook through audible.com or the iTunes store. Uh, if you want to just check uh, out the series, find out what it's about, you can also pick up the first installment in the current series, Powerhouse Flies Again, available as an ebook. Well, we're going to bring you something different. Uh, good different or bad different? That's kind of going to be up to you to decide. But it's certainly going to be unique compared to all the other shows we brought you. Uh, because we brought you most of our shows originating from Hollywood. And uh, a good many originating from New York. And we've done a couple of series based in San Francisco. But we've never done a series based in Chicago. That's not because Chicago was sleeping out the... Uh, golden age of radio. In fact, they had many great series uh, originate from there. However, they tend to be focused in uh, comedy, musical, or variety. Um, examples include uh, Amos and Andy, Lum and Abner, Fibber McGee and Molly, and the First Nighter program. All these shows got their start in Chicago, and so did many actors. The earliest uh, performance I've heard from Bob Bailey was a performance he did uh, for the Chicago Theater of the Air, where he played uh, the uh, uh, speaking lead in a uh, musical. They had a speaking lead, and then they had a singing lead uh, who handled the songs. Um, uh, radio did kind of begin to decline a, a bit in Chicago after the war, as there was a bit of a uh, consolidation of everything into Hollywood. Though, to be fair, that started actually uh, in the late uh, 30s. By the early 40s, a lot of programs such as uh, Lum and Abner and Amos and Andy, Fibber McGee and Molly, those were all gone, and First Night, our program moved to Hollywood after the war. Um, but uh, they still have things like National Barn Dance, which uh, originated from that city. And they uh, did other programs as well. There was actually a Chicago-based version of The Whistler, which is mostly a West Coast show with a few uh, weeks uh, during the summer where they, uh, where they went national. So this is a rare find and a very rare series. It's different acting, different style, but I hope you'll enjoy this little piece of Chicago as we bring you The Crime Files of Flamand, which focuses on a psychologist uh, detective. The original air date, April the 18th of 1944, and it's the case of the squealing duck. The Peter Hand Brewery Company, Brewers of Meisterbrow, presents card number 16 from the Crime Files of Flamand. 
A new file card, Miss Lake. Popular nightclub comedian suspects someone of trying to ruin his act. Case more serious than it seems. Flamand, the most unusual detective in criminal history. Flamand, famous psychologist and character analyst. Flamand, who looks beyond laughter and tears, jealousy and greed, to discover their basic origins. In just a moment, you will hear card number 16 from his amazing crime file. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. You folks have shown your appreciation of a good beverage by the way you've been buying Meisterbrow. So here's a toast, a Meisterbrow toast to taste pleasure. Yes, a Meisterbrow record has been made in and around this area. Why, every place you go, you hear folks ordering Meisterbrow. Because when people go to their favorite place for a few minutes' relaxation, they know a glass of tingling, sparkling Meisterbrow draft beer will hit their thirsty spot. There's an added zest, a mellow smoothness in Meisterbrow's old-time flavor that comes from percolating the finest, delicate flavors of expensive hops right through the brew. So taste the distinguished, satisfying goodness of this beer with old-time flavor. Just walk into your favorite spot and say, Meisterbrow, it's sure enough, the beer. And to be sure that Meisterbrow will continue to be available, please return all empty bottles to your retailer as quickly as possible. And now, card number 16 from The Crime Files of Flamand. Tonight's story opens in Flamand's office with Danny Dole, a nightclub comedian, pouring out his troubles. My name's Danny Dole, Flamand. I guess I don't have to tell you any more, do I? No, not unless you want to, I suppose. Oh, you're the nightclub comedian. Yeah, nightclub, musical comedy, movies, radio. I guess they know me just about any place. Well, I don't go in for nightlife much. That's right, Mr. Dole. Doggone it. Honestly, though, Flamand, Danny Dole really is a nightclub celebrity. Yeah, I suppose I am. And, you know, I always think the celebrities come to watch my act, but... Uh, I guess I'm a celebrity, too, huh? Why, certainly. <laughs> but people don't ordinarily come to see me unless they have problems, Mr. Dole. Well, uh, my problem, Mr. Anthony, is... Uh, <laughs> nuts. I guess I'd better be serious. Well, Flamand, somebody's trying to ruin me. Ruin you? Yeah. There's a deliberate attempt to crab my act, to keep my material from going over, from getting laughs. Who in the world would want to do that? Well, I got ideas, but I don't get all the angles. That's what bothers me. Mr. Dole, why would anyone, by the wildest stretch of the imagination, want to spoil your act? You know what I'm drawing down at the Club Lazetta, huh? No, I wouldn't have the faintest idea. Fifteen hundred bucks a week, and that ain't newspaper story, Dole. It's cash. But who would be interested in getting you fired? Well, for one, that crack-voiced sister that drooled songs into a microphone, Sheila Ray. If it wasn't for her face and figure, her voice wouldn't get her a job calling trains and... Winnipesaukee, North Dakota. You think she's jealous? Well, she had the top spot till I came in. She had her choice of leaving or taking a cut and staying on. Well, she stayed. <laughs> well, theatrical jealousies are a bit out of my line. 
Unless they get to the point of physical violence. There'll be physical violence if I get my hands on the louse that's trying to kill my stuff. <laughs> Fine. When there is, come around and see me. One of the best gags in my whole act. Killed dead in a stiff on a morgue slab last night. What was it, Mr. Dole? I'm telling a story about duck hunting, see? Oh, it's a wow the way I do it. Never fails to get solid laughs. Usually stops the show cold. Why, the critics say now Let's that... forget the critics. Yeah. Okay. They ain't so hot anyways. You're hunting ducks. Yeah, and I go through all the imaginary movements of getting ready to shoot. I'm crouched down in the duck blind, shotgun up to my shoulder, all make-believe, you see. Mm. And then I make with the trigger. Uh, when does the laugh come? When I make with the trigger, a dead duck drops down from the ceiling over the heads of the customers. Oh, how cute. Lamont, wouldn't it be a scream to get a dead duck in your suit? That's the laugh. Nobody gets the duck. It's suspended by a thin wire. You can't see what's holding it, but it could fall in about ten feet above the folks' heads. <laughs> yes, I can see how that might get a laugh. The discomfiture motive. Yeah, it's socko. But last night, it was strictly from hunger. I pull the trigger, nothing happens. There I am with my pants caught in the sprocket and my new departure coaster brake not working. Hmm. And did you look over the mechanical contrivance that releases the duck? Sure. Somebody put in a new spring and release lever that was too strong to let the duck fall. Any idea who did it? I know who'd have liked to have done it. That singer, Sheila Ray. But do you have any proof? Not a iota. Mr. Dole, I think this is serious. Extremely serious. Lamont, you're joking. No, indeed, Sandra. When somebody tries to kill your laughs, it's always serious, miss. And, Mr. Dole, I think whoever's responsible for your trouble is interested in killing more than laughs. Well, Dole, you got to be funny tonight? I ain't had any complaints till I hit this beanery, Gus. At these other places, they must have been giving away dishes. But there's not more than 50 people out there for the supper show. The word gets around when you clip the customers. When I pay a comedian $1,500 a week, I expect to have an attraction. I've only been here two weeks. Folks will get wise. About the way you miff your stuff? I got nothing to do with the things that's been happening. You're not liable to take care of yourself very well, are you? I got a contract for 10 weeks. An airtight contract. <laughs> that ain't doing so bad. Suppose I throw you out and refuse to pay off. Why, your joint would be closed in two hours. You couldn't get a band or an act. Suppose you leave. Suppose you jump your contract. That's not the way the number's written in my script, Mr. Klum. There are ways of making people change their minds. I have some friends. What about them? They don't like people who get in my way. Sometimes they get mad about it. You don't say. Yeah. And when they get mad, they do funny things. A lot funnier things than you do in your act. Like trying to kill a comedian's laughs? Like maybe trying to kill a comedian, period. Come in. Danny, Joe said to tell you that you go on five minutes early tonight. Oh, hello, Gus. Uh, evening, baby. How's the voice tonight, Sheila? Good as ever. No improvement? Oh, that's a pity. It's good enough to get an encore in five bows, you ham. Uh, Sheila, how come you bring Danny his messages about going on early? Well, Joe asked me to. You're doing uh, what the head waiter says now? Well, I, I was coming backstage anyway. To Dole's dressing room? No, 
out on my own. What's eating you anyway? How long were you standing outside that door before you came in? Answer me. Hey, let go of my wrist. What did you hear? Nothing. I'd remember that if I was you, kid. Exactly that. Nothing. Lamond, I wish we'd get a client like Danny Dole at least once a week. Why? Well, it'd mean getting out in the evening with you once in a while. <laughs> you know, you're really quite gallant when you relax and forget about being a character analyst and psychiatrist. Oh, but darn it, Sandra, I'm not relaxing. This is a job. You mean you took that egocentric little comedian seriously? I'm afraid so. Uh, you have a reservation on with you? Why, I don't know. Danny Dole told us to tell Joseph our names. I'm for Mark. Oh, but start the moment, monsieur. Right this way. Well, Mr. Dole certainly got us a good table. His vanity wouldn't permit anything else. Uh, you're a fine one talking about vanity. Oh, but I'm not vain, Sandra. Really, I'm just, just sure that I know what I know, that's all. <laughs> Gee, this is fun. Say, that's a gorgeous evening gown, Sandra. You see? A night out even brings you to life. <laughs> the show's going to start. Darn it, just when I thought I was getting somewhere. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Club Lucetta. The Club Lucetta, where you pay plenty for what you get a. <laughs> Such happy faces. You know, for a bunch of four Fs, you're the healthiest looking gang I ever saw. Oh, say, uh, waiter. Uh, yes, monsieur? Uh, bring that young couple over there a bottle of champagne. Yes, monsieur. Uh, put it on this man's bill over here. <laughs> well, tonight, folks, I'm going to open the festivities with my impression of the hunt. Yerks! Yerks! This is the Brooklyn Hunt Club. Ah, imagine them bums chasing a little fox. Uh, I'm not a fox man myself. I'm a duck man. Oh, one day I'm blind, see? Uh, no, uh, out in the blind. Uh, waiting for the ducks to fly over. From the north, I see a flock of 50 ducks heading south for a ducky little place on 71st Street. Uh, these are southern ducks. I hear them quacking as they get closer. Quack, quack, you all. Quack, quack, you all. <laughs> Well, I pull my shotgun out of my pocket. I can carry it there because the pocket has a hole in it. I get down on one knee, just like Jolson. I put the gun to my shoulder. Then I wait. You know why I wait? Because I remember the old adage, never shoot into a flock of ducks till you can see the whites of their eyes. I wait. The ducks get closer. The time is right. I pull the trigger. Sandra, look out. <laughs> Sandra, darling. Is she hurt? No, just fainted. I shoved her off a chair just in time. That's a swell gag, that is. Switching my duck on a wire for a lead duck. Why, this thing must weigh 25 pounds. And it was not on the wire, Monsieur Dole. Joseph, isn't there somewhere we can take her? Uh, yes, Monsieur. Down to Monsieur Clum's office. Okay. But whoever tried to murder Sandra is going to pay. And pay plenty. <laughs> Sandra, dear, it was all my fault. I shouldn't have brought you here. Uh, monsieur, her eyelids, they are flicker. <laughs> oh, I've been all right for a couple of minutes. But I didn't want to stop that pretty speech. Deceitful wretch. Well, I know one thing. 
After this, when you tell me that interfering with the comedian's laughs is serious business, I'll believe you. I don't get it. I think maybe I do. Joseph, why did you seat us at that particular table we occupied? Why, uh, Miss Ray, the singer, she came to me. Came to you and what? She say, Monsieur Clumsy Manager, he have ordered this table for the guest of Monsieur Dole. I heard that, Joseph. You're getting the habit of listening in on other people's conversations, ain't you? It looks like a healthy thing to do around here. Uh, she's the one. She told me. How about that, Miss Ray? Well, you're not pinning this on to me. Do not you dare to deny it. You have told me. You hated me, Sheila, because I kept you from getting top villain and top dough. I'm not denying that I told Joseph about the table. Oh, you admit it. But what could you possibly have against me? You don't even know me. You're forgetting one thing. One awfully important thing. What's that? I told Joseph that Gus Clum told me to tell him. And Gus told me it was very important. It is funny, that. Very funny. What's so funny? That Monsieur Clum is not around with all this excitement. Say, I haven't seen him at that. The last time I saw him was across the room when we were bringing Miss Lake down here. But he must still be upstairs. He wouldn't dare try getting away. Come on. Monsieur, do you have a revolver? Never carry one. Don't worry. Oh, but Monsieur Clum is a dangerous person. The frog ain't kidding, Flamand. Say, somebody tapping on that window. Your nerves are getting the best of you, Sandra. Just the same, I'm going to pull up that shade and see. <laughs> Gus Clum with a rope around his neck. Oh, yes. We'll have to get him in here. The rope's tied to a little exit balcony upstairs. Here, I'll cut the rope. You two fellows pull him in. Uh, I have him... So he committed suicide when he saw he was going to get caught. Suicide? Oh, no, Miss Ray. There's the impression of a knife point against his stiff shirt, right over his heart. Gus Clum was forced out the window. He was murdered. Folks, first time you try Meister Brown, the famous dated half-gallon you'll find real beer-drinking pleasure because Meister Brow is brewed to give you an all-grain flavor and distinguished character. It's brewed the old-time way by the same methods as more than 50 years ago when it was first made. And now, thanks to a revolutionary method, there's added zest in Meister Brow because delicate hop flavors are actually percolated through the brew. This keeps the beer smooth. And besides all this, in Meister Brow, there's natural sparkle in life that's a joy to behold for this old-time brew is bottled with only natural draft beer carbonation. So, you can easily see, friends, there's a difference in Meisterbrau. Stop at the place you buy beer and ask for Meisterbrau in the dated half-gallon. It's tap-fresh, the convenient size serves 8 to 10 people. Enjoy some tonight, tomorrow, sure. And folks, to be sure that Meisterbrau will continue to be available, please return all empty bottles to your retailer as quickly as possible. The second act of tonight's story opens in Gus Clum's office in the nightclub. All the patrons have left as Flamand continues his search for Clum's murderer. So it was Gus Clum who told you to have me put the detective and the girl at table 16. That's what I said, isn't it? Oh, certainly. Well, it's true. You don't believe Miss Ray, Joseph? Uh, I always believe a lady, mademoiselle. But it is unfortunate, is it not, that Monsieur Clum is dead? Unfortunate or convenient? Me, I wouldn't know which. I'd keep that funny mouth shut if I were in your big shoes, Danny boy. Yeah, why? I heard the row you had with Clum tonight. I thought you wasn't listening. I was listening, all right. 
It was quite a thing to listen to. What was it, Miss Ray? Gus Clum tried Shut to... up, you. I'll make you sorry you ever opened your mouth. Like you made Gus sorry? Go ahead, Miss Ray. What did you hear? Gus tried to get Danny to tear up his contract because the act wasn't going over. Gus was losing money on it. That's a lie. He told the funny man that if he didn't quit, things would happen to him. Sure, he threatened me. So what? I called his bluff and he tried to crab the act. Why, you big ham. You think that lead duck took its dive to crab your act? Just how important do you think your act is? I agree, mademoiselle. A man does not attempt murder to spoil a nightclub act. All right, voice of experience. I'm getting mad. I'll give you a thing or two to think about. You'll have to get it out of a book. Gus Clum was standing across the dining room when the rest of us came down here. Joseph and Flamand and his secretary and me. None of us left this room. Flamand! You were still upstairs, cracker voice. And after you came down here, we found Clum had done a one-way stretch. No! No, you can't pin it on me. I didn't do it. There's only... Oh. What were you going to say, Miss Ray? I... Nothing. I'm... I'm afraid maybe I've said too much already. I see what you mean. I think I'll have a few private interviews. You have sent for me? Yes. Tell me, Joseph. How was the Club Lisetta doing? Oh, uh, very badly, monsieur. Then I don't see why Clum hired an expensive act like Danny Dole. Oh, that was the reason, monsieur. Monsieur Clum have been doing a little less than, uh, how you say, uh, break even. He reasoned that he needs a big time act, something terrific. So, Danny Dole. Smart business. Unfortunately, no. Instead of losing a little, he started to lose $1,500 a week. Where did Clum get all his money? We had some very unsavory friends who used the Lizetta as a meeting place. It was worth something to them. And I hardly know how to say... How to say what? He owed me nearly $6,000. You loaned him $6,000? Oh, but yes. How does a head waiter get that much money? Oh, a good head waiter make a great deal. And I am a very good one. With the club doing so badly... How come you risked your money? Oh, the club was not doing well, but I was doing all right. It does not take many five and ten dollar table reservation to do well. Maybe you're in the wrong business, Flamand. Mm. Uh, is there anything else you wish to know? No, you told us a great deal, Joseph. Uh, thank you, monsieur. Now, if I can help, uh, call on me. Uh, is it all right for me uh, to go home now? Sure, go ahead. And tell the rest it's okay to leave. Uh, thank you. Well? What next? We're going to take a look for the knife. The knife that forced Gus Clum off the balcony. Hello there. Drafty back here, isn't it? Yeah. No one here. Everybody's left. And I don't see what you expect to find. That knife. With any luck. Where's Dole's dressing room? Dole? Lamont, you surely don't think he... I have to take every possibility. Where is it? Right next to Sheila Ray's. Here. Fine. Come on. Wait just a minute. I thought I heard something. Oh, just your imagination. No. Somebody's watching us. Following us. Sandra, your imagination. Funny, there's no lock on the door. <laughs> Evidently, Gus Clum didn't want his performers to have any secrets. Well, the devil's a light switch. <gasps> what was that? Somebody threw a knife at us. And missed, fortunately. The door! Forget it. Whoever did the knife-throwing act is gone now. Hey, maybe this is the light switch. Danny Dole! He's dead! No, not dead, Sandra. He's breathing. Just been hit over the head. 
And here's the knife. Well, that's something. I don't get it. But of course, Sandra, this is the same knife that was used on Gus Klum. Well, fancy see... Danny, what's happened to him? Oh, he'll be all right. But I thought you'd gone home. Oh, well, I thought I'd do a little investigating of my own. Oh, where am I? What happened? You know where you are, all right. And you know what happened. You came here to get rid of the knife. Knife? What knife? The one stuck in the wall. You were going to hide it. You heard the detective come in. You threw the knife, pulled the door shut, and pretended to be knocked out. Yeah? Somebody was in here when I came to lock up my stuff. I was hit over the head from behind. Not too hard. Not any harder than you could hit. You arranged the whole business to keep from looking bad. I never looked bad in my life. You knew Gus was going to give you the bounce. The publicity would have ruined you. And so you figured you had to make him look like a murderer and get rid of him at the same time. You tell me how I could hang Gus while I was down in his office and him upstairs, and I'll get you 52 weeks booking. I don't know how you did it, but you figured out how to drop a lead weight on somebody's head. You're crazy anyway. Arrest her, Flamand. She told Clum to seat you and your secretary at the table under the lead duck. She came down after Clum was hung. It had to be her. So, you have caught them. Oh, congratulations, monsieur. Have they confessed? They? You think Dole and Miss Ray were working together? Certainly. These spats, they ran act. Mademoiselle Ray was mad because Clum demoted her from top billing. Dole was mad because he was about to be fired. They plan a dual revenge. Oh, that's a new version, Flamand. And not a very good one, Sandra. You don't believe me? Dole had to invite you here. The woman told me to seat you at the death table. I think we've had about enough excitement for one evening. It's time to call a halt to this foolishness. You mean, you know who's responsible? Certainly. But you seem to be enjoying yourself so much, I hated to spoil things. I do need a little sleep, though. Flamand, you're the most exasperating man in the world. I suppose Joseph will feel the same way about it. Sure, he's the guy. That's what I was going to say before, only I was afraid. Ah, I see it all. You have gotten together. I am to be the, or what you call, fall guy. I was not in the room when Clum was murdered. Oh, but you were, Joseph. He was still there when we carried Miss Lake to his office. Who says so? Who saw him? Only you, Joseph. That's right. We all have been taking his word that Clum was still alive. In the excitement, we didn't pay attention to anything but the accident. It is a frame-up, but it is one frame-up that will not work. Stick them up, all of you. Say, that's my revolver you got. Yeah, and I will use it on you, too, if you try to get funny. Stand back, funny boy. Take one step nearer me, and I will shoot. You ain't got the nerve, Joseph. I have not, eh? All right. I got him, Flamand. Here, take the water pistol and hit him over the head with it. Just enough to cool him off a little, like he did with me. No, no, no. Oh, really, Mr. Dole, how do you think that's necessary? Squeamish, huh? I'll do it. There. Uh, He's guilty, all right, Flamand. But I don't get the pitch. Make with the words. Clum always stood over by the balcony exit to watch the axe, didn't he? Sure, but that's got nothing to do with it. Oh, but it has. It was easy for Joseph to get out on the balcony a few minutes before and tie the loose end of a noose of rope around the railing. Easy as feeding ham to a comedian. And the second the lead duck started falling, Joseph slipped the noose over Clum's head and pulled him through the exit door. With his knife, he forced Clum over the edge. Then he stepped back inside. Oh, but surely, Flamand, somebody would have seen him in... Not at all, Sandra. He was a shrewd killer. He knew that all eyes would be on what he expected to be another murder in the center of the room. 
He knew that the human eye can't resist following the broadest sweep of movement. But why'd he do it, chum? Either he wanted to get his money back from Clum's estate or wanted to get control of the club Lisetta. He tried to buy it. I know that. But Miss Ray said Clum gave instructions to seat us at that table. Clum wanted to get rid of Danny Dole's act. Joseph tipped him off that Dole had hired a detective. Okay, so far. And Joseph said he had a way to get rid of Dole, but mustn't be suspected. Joseph had Clum send Sheila to him with instructions. Well, that adds up, mister. I knew it couldn't be Danny or Sheila. It had to be Joseph. Everything pointed his way. But why did he try to murder me? He didn't. What was supposed to be a murder at the table was purely incidental to him. Nice guy, Joseph. Say, he was the guy that was killing all my jokes. You can't murder the dead, Danny. Lamond and Sandra will be back in a moment with a basic clue in tonight's story. But right now, here's some information that can help everyone. Folks, it's a fact that Meisterbrow rhymes with the scheme of good, enjoyable living. So make evenings at home more pleasant by keeping a couple of big, economical, dated half-gallons of Meisterbrow, genuine, tap-fresh draft beer in your refrigerator. Meisterbrow has a full, tingling, satisfying flavor that makes it an all-year-round drink. For Meisterbrow is a beverage of moderation, brewed the old slow way of more than 50 years ago. Next time you order beer, get Meisterbrow. And as you pour out a foaming glass of this fine old-time brew, notice its natural sparkle in life, along with the old-time all-grain flavor. And when you taste it, notice that added zest. For Meisterbrow has mild, tasty hop flavors percolated through the brew. Yes, the first time you try Meisterbrow, you too will say, Meisterbrow rhymes with my way of living. And to be sure that Meisterbrow will continue to be available, please return all empty bottles to your retailer as quickly as possible. Now, the basic clue in tonight's story. Lamont, you said you knew neither Danny Dole nor Sheila Ray could be the murderer. Yes, that's right. But I don't see how. Well, first I could eliminate Danny because the dead duck trick didn't work the night before the murder. That doesn't make sense, Lamont. Oh, but it does. You see, there was one person in the room who wouldn't be particularly impressed by the duck's descent. One person who might possibly see the murder. Danny Dole? Right. He'd seen it so many times it wouldn't impress him. So the murderer had to be sure Danny would have his eyes on the duck. He made sure by fixing things so the duck wouldn't work. Oh, and then Danny had to watch it the next night, huh? Of course. But Sheila Ray, how could you be so sure she didn't do it? Well, because she delivered the message to Joseph that he was to seat us at the dead duck table. What does that have to do with it? Delivering that message and admitting she delivered it made her look guilty as all get out. Had she actually been guilty, she'd have done exactly what Joseph did, planted suspicion on someone else. Yeah, but what made you suspicious of Joseph? His saying that he'd seen Clum across the room 
when we carried you down to the office. I don't see anything suspicious about that. Had he really seen Clum, he'd have asked him to go down to the office with us instead of going himself. And I can't imagine the owner of a place staying away from the kind of excitement we created. Can you? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> well, I have the title for tonight's file card. What is it? The Case of the Squealing Duck. The Case of the Squealing Duck. Card number 16 from The Crime Files of Flamand, featuring William Everett as Flamand and Patricia Dunlap as Sandra. Look for card number 17 when the Peter Han Brewery Company, Brewers of Meisterbrow, brings you the case of the 24 bottles. Next Tuesday, same time, same station. Tune in same time Friday night for another Peter Han dramatic show. Yes, tune to this station every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday at 9.30 for thrilling stories presented by the Peter Han Brewery Company. You can see as well as hear two thrilling new detective programs, The Crime Files of Flamand every Tuesday night and Mystery House every Saturday night at 9.30 to 10 o'clock in WGN Studio Theater. Plenty of tickets still available for the next broadcast. Write WGN Chicago 11 and tickets to either or both shows will be mailed at no cost to you. This is WGN Chicago 11. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site. We stream live OTR Westerns 24 hours a day, 7 days a week along with putting out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Well, the uh, uh, series has got an interesting approach. Though this version of Flamand is perhaps a bit smug, and maybe I'm being a lit a uh, bit uh, kind with that. And the acting is very different. It feels a lot more um, stagey, even than the New York acting uh, that we hear over on Nick Carter. But it's an interesting premiere. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of information available on the stars, but we'll bring you more on that next week. I should note that uh, radio uh, drama has continued to uh, survive in Chicago, though entirely, or probably I should say mostly through uh, religious uh, broadcast. It's home to uh, the Moody Bible Institute, uh, which produced a wide variety of dramas, even beginning some during the golden age of radio, such as the uh, Ranger Bell series. And it's also the home to uh, Pacific Garden Missions, which produces uh, Unshackled, which have, has actually been continuing to broadcast uh, continuously every week now for more than 60 years. And also, the sponsor of the program is interesting. The Peter Hand uh, Brewing Company was actually a local brewery that was founded in Chicago uh, in 1891 by a Prussian immigrant and uh, survived. Uh, it actually employed just 600 uh, people uh, 
until 1965 when it got bought out um, by a group and uh, it was no known as Meisterbra Incorporated. And uh, that lasted for a while, but uh, in 1972, they went ahead and they sold uh, all the brands uh, to uh, Miller and then uh, ended up closing down in 1978, the last uh, brewery in uh, Chicago at the time. So uh, a very interesting uh, company in the history of Chicago uh, sponsored that. And I hope uh, our Chicago-based uh, listeners or those with associations with that city uh, enjoy this little bit of uh, history. It's a, a Chicago, definitely a very uh, fascinating city. And as I said, this one of the few detective, uh, the only one I'm aware of with uh, circulating episodes of a detective program with uh, Chicago uh, that was uh, originated in Chicago. We turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have a Facebook comment from Richard. Hi, Adam. Uh, from England, I started listening to old-time radio when I was given a number of episodes of British sitcoms and radio uh, shows adapted for radio in 2006. Uh, Faulty Towers, Dad's Army, Steptoe and Son, Round the Home, One Foot in the Grave, and Yes, Mister. Having listened to them, uh, I then looked on the internet for more and found thousands of American programs, many of which I'd never heard. Uh, this was now 2008, and since then I've listened to hundreds of episodes of Westerns, Have Gone Will Travel, and The Six uh, Shooter being my favorites, and thrillers and detective uh, stories, of which uh, Box 13, Let George Do It, uh, Rocky Jordan, and Johnny Dollar are favorites. I don't like the British police programs of the time, which I find slow and dated. American radio comedy didn't travel very well across the Atlantic in those days, uh, with one exception. Uh, my favorite husband was wonderful. Of all the programs I f found, one stood head and shoulders above the rest. The Damon Runyon Theater. I love the twist that always came at the end of every story, which was difficult to predict. They inspired me to buy many of his books, which I enjoy as much as the radio programs. Finally, I disagree with you about uh, Tom Conway. I think he makes a better saint than Vincent Price. While Vincent Price is a wonderful actor, uh, he had a good face for radio and horror films. Uh, so the vision I have of the saint, mainly from uh, 1960s Roger Moore, didn't fit with uh, Vincent Price. Keep up the good work. I have your Great Detectives podcast dating back to early 2014. But as the iPod on which I listen uh, places the most recently recorded podcast at the top of the list, I'm listening in a strange order. I enjoy days when I can work with my headphones on listening to your show, which sadly isn't every day. Um, well, thanks so much for your comment, uh, Richard. And uh, I appreciate uh, your comments, and you've got some uh, very uh, good taste in uh, so many of the programs you reference. I like the uh, 1960s uh, version of The Saint, what I've seen of it, the first uh, 13 uh, episodes. I have been meaning... I've been meaning to uh, watch more, but haven't quite gotten um, around to uh, checking those out from my library. Uh, I can uh, 
like different interpretations of a character as long as uh, as long as I like them, I guess. Uh, I can like Jeremy Brett, and uh, and I can like Basil Rathbone, and I can like Nicholas Briggs as uh, Sherlock Holmes. So I tend to uh, like both Moore and uh, Price's uh, interpretations, so they're radically different. Though I wouldn't knock uh, Tom Conway's at all. It's just all a matter of taste on that. And I can definitely see how um, a lot of uh, American comedy of the era wouldn't transfer well across the Atlantic. A lot of it doesn't even transfer well across um, the years. Though I, I have a lot that I truly enjoy. But I absolutely agree that Damon Runyon Theater is a very uh, fine program and really uh, worth listening to. I um, actually got very positive uh, comments when I played uh, an episode of that uh, as an app extra, and uh, I'll always look for opportunities to play that. Runyon had a way of writing and making his character speak that was really, uh, it was interesting. It was in no way uh, realistic. But it was, in its own way, just stunningly uh, beautiful, very interesting, and uh, compelling. A lot of fun to listen to. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, you've gotten into the books. And it's just been one of those uh, things is uh, I've listened to uh, radio. I've discovered some books and some series that I've, I've picked up I never would have picked up uh, before. Uh, without the uh, radio program. So I appreciate your uh, very nice note, and uh, thanks so much, and I uh, do encourage you to keep on listening. And I am working on something in my head. I've got three book projects I'm in the middle of, though I hope to have that cleared up by the end of uh, November. But I do have an idea for listeners who are joining us a bit later in the game. It's not going to involve selling anything or mass-producing CDs, but it is kind of, uh, it's an idea for just a um, uh, somewhat simpler uh, archive system that people can access and just uh, enjoy freely all the observations and experiences uh, we've had. But I will announce that once I actually get it up. Uh, so be uh, sure to stay tuned for that. All right, well, thanks so much. I know the commentary's been a bit long, but I appreciate the feedback I've got that people don't mind that in particular. Uh, but join us uh, tomorrow for Philip Marlowe, and next Tuesday, another episode of The Crime Files of Lamont. In the meantime, send your comments to box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.